that song. But I'll tell you, it's easy to sing, but sometimes it's hard to, uh, to actually do. You ever think about, in the good times, how easy it is really to thank God and say, God, thank you so much for the blessings you've given me. Thank you so much for all the stuff you've done. Thank you for just the who you are. And the way you've transformed my life and the way that you're changing me. But then when the poop hits the fan, you're like, thanks God, thanks a lot. It's all your fault. I'm supposed to be living in a blessed nation. We were just talking about this this morning with the youth. And I'll tell you, this, is, this has been kind of one of these uh, crazy weeks. Last week we started our new series called Soul Detox. We talked about having a restless soul. And we're going to continue that in. And some of you are like, well, what's this soul detox thing? Well, the, the whole idea is having clean living in a contaminated world. There's so many things that come into our life and they, they mess with our soul. And the, the whole thing that we talked about last week as, as we got on to, the one thing we wanted to hold on to is this. We, we have this tendency to think that we are a body with a soul, but yet it's really the other way around. We're not a body with a soul. We are a soul with a body. And that should change our perspective on how we approach things. Because last week as we talked about this restless soul, we talked about the fact that, that God has called us to be still with Him. And that is a difficult thing to do. When I talked to you when you first came in, I tried it this week. It was hard. I failed. I wanted to. And I, I wanted to, to sit and be still and to listen to, and to hear what He had to say. And everything else came in. And I'm not making excuses. I'm just telling you I'm a real person just like you are. I wish I was somebody who got up at 4 o'clock and prayed for the first four hours until 8 o'clock. And then I just got up and I walked on water. I wish I could do that. But that's not who I am. I am real just like you. And this has been one of those weeks that has made me feel very inadequate to be standing in front of you, in all honesty. This is one of those weeks that some things have happened and... It hasn't been a terrible thing, but at the same time, I guess the best way to put it is this. Everything's not wrong, but it just doesn't feel right. You ever had one of those weeks? Maybe you're having one of those weeks this week. Maybe you've had weeks like that leading up to today. And, you know, I feel like sometimes I need to be the face, the smiling face of Paragon. I need to be that, hey, how you get, guy? I'm so glad you're here. And I, I really am glad that each and every one of you are here this morning. But there's mornings that I just struggle to get up and get going and, and, and want to do this. And this week has just kind of been one of those ones that just beat me down. And the craziest thing, because God is who he is, and I think he laughs about it, is this morning um, I, got, I got a call. Or, or I knew that Corey, um, who does youth, wasn't going to be here this week. I didn't realize that, that um, somebody else wasn't filling in. So last night I put the, the message together. Well, we have a series that we go through with that. And... The series this morning was about uh, Moses and about remembering what God has done, which goes right along with that, blessed be your name, and remembering the things that he does, and praise him in the good times, praise him in the bad times, and um, the whole idea of celebrating the Passover feast, and, and remembering, and, and, and looking back, and I thought about that as I was preparing the message for this morning, which I planned months ago, is also about our past, because last week we talked about this restless soul, and this week... Uh, is about a thing called the heavy soul and about how sometimes our past can be what pulls us down and holds us down and and i i guess the best way to describe the whole idea of the heavy soul is this when 
I got to thinking about it. Uh, many of you know, uh, about a year and a half ago, um, I went through an amazing weight loss plan. Um, in the process of going through that weight loss plan, I lost about uh, 75 pounds. I went from 264 down to 190. And um, in that time of weight loss, uh, I got really weak at the same time. And, and while going through that uh, lack of eating and, and not working out and not doing anything, um, I got pretty weak. But I saw this weight loss plan as a benefit that I could actually keep this weight off. So back in February, I decided I was going to start going to, uh, to Planet Fitness. There's a Planet Fitness that opened up right around the corner from my house and figured, hey, I'm going to go over there and I'm going to do that. And all the stuff that I read and all the things that I looked at said, in order to, uh, to do what you need to do, correct form is better than massive weight. Correct form is better than massive weight. Uh, I even had somebody tell me recently, doing one sit-up right is better than doing ten sit-ups wrong. But when you go to the gym, having 10 pounds on the, uh, on the bench press bar isn't quite as manly as having 45-pound plates on there. And I'm thinking, you know what? When I was in high school, I could bench a lot of weight. So we're just going to jump right back in because it hasn't been that long since high school. It's only been, what, 20 years. So, um, so I decided I'm going to go ahead and throw it on there. And uh, the guy who's there who was spotting me, he's, he's like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're going to be good. And uh, I got down on the bench, and he was talking, thinking that I was fine. And I'm like, here we go. And it's much desire in my brain that I had about wanting to have correct form. It was even more so, I just wanted to get this thing off my, my chest so I could breathe. I was wiggling. I was squirming. I had my feet on the walls, literally trying to do everything I could to get this thing off of my chest. It literally was crushing me. This heavy weight was just on me, and I thought I knew what I was doing. I didn't. And when I thought about this heavy soul this week, I thought, you know, that's kind of the way it is. We, we focus so much on the outside of our bodies. We, we want this outer shell to be something that is nice and is perfect and it looks good for other people. And I assume most of you in here, you probably, you probably take time to, uh, to work out or at least think about working out. You know, you take time to do that. And in the process of, uh, of that, that time, you're thinking, you know, I want this to look good. But sometimes we forget this is just a temporary dwelling for our soul. Because when we die, this will not go on, but what's inside will. Our soul will spend someplace for eternity. And as we think about that... Why don't we spend as much time working on our soul and helping it out as we do on this outer shell that's only going to get old and die eventually anyway? And I was looking at it, I was thinking about it, and I got right back to it. We're this soul with a body, not the other way around. And I think, I think we really, really need to understand and grasp this fact because we will work hard on our outer body, but we won't work hard on our soul. So today I want to do this. I want to talk to you about working on our souls. Same thing as we did last week. We, we have this tendency to, uh, to detox our bodies. We have this tendency to say, you know, I don't want to put all the junk in there. I don't want to eat at McDonald's. I, and when I do eat at McDonald's, I'm going to get a, you know, a grilled chicken salad sandwich and a bottle of water. That's, that's where I'm at. That's what I'm, we don't generally end up there. But that is the original plan when we go. Uh, we want to keep junk out of our guts. We want to keep it out of our mouths. We want to keep it out of our lungs. We want to keep that stuff out. We want to detox and be away from that. But we don't do that for our souls. We don't detox our souls. And that's what I want to really focus on today. You know, I read, a, I read an article recently. 
that kind of went along with this whole idea of this junk that we have in our souls. The article said that we, this generation, suffers the most, than, more than any other generation before us, from a low-grade depression. A constant low-grade depression. I'm not talking about the deep clinical depression, which is a, a whole issue in itself that we're not really going to get into today, but we suffer as a generation across the board from this constant low-grade depression. And I got to thinking about why. How is that even possible? We have more stuff, more technology, more everything right here at our fingertips. How in the world does it end up that we have this low-grade depression? We have everything that we could possibly want and need within our reach. What is it that causes this dissatisfaction that's in our bodies, in our minds, in our souls. We, we, we have a lack of hope, we have a lack of faith, and there's not a lot of optimism. What is it that causes that? What is it that brings it to this place? And I'm going to be honest with you today, man, this is the heavy message. And it spoke to me a lot this week, and it kept speaking to me, and, and then preparing, like I said, for the youth message. What is it that, that gets us down and keeps us down? I'm not typically a glass half empty kind of guy. I, I generally look at things pretty positively, but, but for some reason, this week, and I, I almost wonder if it was for preparation for this message, that God wanted me to say, understand exactly what he is talking about and that I could experience it. And maybe this message is specifically for me this morning and you're just wasting an hour listening to me talk to myself. I don't know. But I look at it and I think about it and I, and man, you know, these last couple of weeks, they've just been this weird rough. Like I said, they're not terrible, but they're not great. It's just kind of blah. And maybe you've been there. And, you know, as we look at the Bible, we can see, we can see verses and we can see people who have written these verses dealing with these exact same issues. And last week we talked about David in Psalm 46.10. And he says, you know, God wants him to be still. And that was something he struggled with. Well, guess what? We're going to be back in Psalms again today. And today the verse that we're really going to wrap everything around is found in Psalm chapter 42. The 42nd Psalm, verse 5. And David asked two questions that I really have asked myself this week. And I'm not sure maybe you've asked them too. But take a look at these with me. The NLT version is the, uh, the one that really, it, it seems like that's the ones we ask out loud. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? You ever get to, you, you just can't put your finger on what in the world is going on, but we put our finger on it and we say, man, there's something that is going on here. And, and when we ask those questions, we go back to that blessed be your name song, and blessed be your name in the good times, and blessed be your name in the bad times. It's so difficult that in the bad times that we can actually say it because we're so discouraged and we are our heart is sad look what it says in the niv version why my soul are you so downcast our soul our inners not just this outer being but our inners why so disturbed within me maybe you asked yourself these questions maybe you've asked them even today when you got up this morning you're like i really don't want to go to church i've just got this down feeling and I am apologizing right now that I'm not giving you that happy prosper message today to make you feel lifted. But I do want you to think about this, and I want you to really let this soak in. Because maybe you ask, why am I heavy? Why am I uneasy? Why am I 
so worried? Why am I so upset? Why are these things going on inside my soul that have disturbed me so much? And I really think there's three reasons to it. I think there's three reasons to it, and it starts off right here. We're going to kind of do a past, present, future. And the first one is this, is the past. Our past hurts hold us down. People's heavy souls, people have heavy souls because of the hurts from the past. The hurts from the past. Jeremiah illustrated it well in the book of Lamentations. I know that probably doesn't just fall wide open to your Bible because you don't read them all the time. So look with me here on the screen what it says in uh, chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. He says, I remember my affliction. I remember. I'm thinking back to the past. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I remember them well. And my soul is downcast within me. Maybe somebody in here is feeling that same pain. Each of us have a past. Some of us have a past that's been really rough. Some of you guys are dealing with it right now, and it has a stranglehold on your life. It is holding you down from what God wants you to be, and and you're thinking, I don't know how to break free from this. It is keeping me at this low grade. I haven't gone into clinical depression. I'm not, I'm not something that, that needs any sort of medication. I just have this, there's something wrong feeling, but I can't figure out what it is. And, and a lot of times it goes back to our past. I'd be willing to bet that most of us in here um, are going to fall into one of these three, and I'd be willing to bet that quite a few are this one right here. Maybe a friend has let you down. Maybe a spouse has betrayed you. Maybe you feel God has let you down because you thought that God was supposed to do it this way and that wasn't the plan and now you're upset with him about it. I don't know where it is in there, but I would be willing to bet that there's something in here, something inside of you. Because I know what's been inside of me even this week. Something that's holding us back. And we got a present heaviness because of our past hurts. And you know what? I want to pray for you this morning and I want to pray for you right now. Because I know that's difficult. I know it's difficult to look ahead. We were talking about this this morning as we talked about with the youth, about remembering what took place. So many of us, I, I asked this question. I said, how many people in here drive? Of course, the youth, not many. But I said, when you drive, do you just look in the rearview mirror all the time? I mean, are you just constantly looking right up in the rearview mirror as you're driving along? No, because if you do, what's going to be the answer? Well, even the sixth graders got the answer right. You're going to crash. And so many times our past will, we're constantly looking at that, we're going to crash into our future because we're not paying that close of attention to what God has ahead of us. I heard a guy say this week, if you don't let your past die, it won't let you live. If you don't let your past die, it won't let you live. And those were heavy words for me. And I'm sure there's somebody in here that's thinking, yeah, you know what, my, my past is really strangling me. It is holding me back. And right now, I do, I want to pray for you right now, and I want to pray for each and every one of us in here. So let's pray. Father, we think about this, and it's easy to say, yeah, God, I just got to let go of my past, but it's not easy to actually do. There's so many things that have happened. Some people have been hurt so deeply in this very room. God, I pray that you make your presence felt with them today. Some people, it's recent. Some people, it's a deep wound that's a scar now. God, I pray that you start the healing process in them right now. Pray it all in your name. Amen. Our souls are heavy with the things of the past. And the problem is, is that that's not it. 
like I said, there's three things that really hit us. And the three things that hit us are not only the past, but also the present. There are troubles that are going on right here, right now. Job chapter 4, verse 5 says, but now, when? Right now. Trouble comes to you. But now, trouble comes to you. And because of it, you're discouraged, it strikes you, and you're dismayed. How many of you guys are dealing with stuff right now? If I asked you to show of hands, I'd be willing to bet that almost everybody in here put their hands up in some way. Maybe it's kind of those half-hearted hands. Maybe it's a full-on, yeah, I am struggling right now, and things are going on. And it is driving me crazy. I don't know what to do. Things are going on right here in our lives. I'd be willing to bet that a lot of you said, hey, five years ago, my five-year plan is going to look like this. And as you sit here today, this isn't exactly what you had in mind. There's things that are bothering you. There's things that, that you didn't see coming. And we don't like it. We don't like it. And there's things, maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's a relational thing. Maybe, once again, it's between you and God. I don't know what it is. But there's, there's things that will hold us down. past has a hold us down the present has a tendency to hold us down and you know what the worst thing is is the future the future we have this weird anxiety about the future and what the future has to hold and oh man do you understand that you have no idea i don't know how we're going to pay our bills the next time because the debts are bigger getting bigger and the income is getting smaller and uh, i don't know what we're going to do and i don't know how we're going to do it you don't understand. My kids are getting older, and they argue with me more and more and more and more. And we're going to fight, and we're going to fight, and I don't, I, can't, I don't want them to be teenagers. And if we keep fighting, they're not going to live there anyway, right? And that, that's kind of the thinking that we have. And we get all worried about it. And golly, I'll tell you what. I am not a politician. I remember back when I was a kid, I used to think, man, by 2012, I'll be old enough to be president. Because you have to be 35 to be president. Now I'm glad I didn't choose that path. Holy moly. I, I, I just, I'm not, not going to get into politics. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. But I'll tell you, just watching the debate this week, I was frustrated with the, the way that our country is going. I was frustrated by the fact that nobody answered a question they were actually asked, which doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense in a debate to me. It seems like I want to hear what you have to say, and nobody said anything. And, and I was Man, where is our country going? What are we going to do? And these things were all, th- like I said, it's just been one of those weeks, and I just, everything was weighing down on me. And I, the question, what is going to happen, kept coming to my mind. What is going to happen? And then I found a little bit of comfort in this, that I'm not the only person that's ever struggled with this. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself struggled with this. If you open up your Bibles to the book of Mark, chapter 14, The book of Mark chapter 14, Jesus is getting ready to die. He knows it's coming. He knows exactly what's getting ready to happen. And in Mark Mark chapter 14, he's he's going into the Garden of Gethsemane. And as he's going in, he has his disciples with him. And let's pick it up right there. It says, they went into this place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. Then he took Peter, James, and John along with him, his three closest guys. And he began... And I underline this in my message, in my notes. He began to be deeply distressed and troubled. Jesus. This is Jesus, God, walking on earth, but his human side's coming out. He began to be deeply distressed and troubled. And if you notice here, there's quotes around it, which means he's talking to his guys. 
He says to his guys, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch. So he says to his guys around him, he says, guys, I have got this weight of what is about ready to come. I know that things are getting ready to happen. I don't want them to happen, but I need you guys to be here with me. Stay here. Keep watch. Pray with me through this. Because that's where we need to get together. We need to be praying together through all this. And, and he wants this. And he goes off to pray by himself. And in the book of, uh, in the book of Luke, Luke being the doctor, he, he records some medical stuff that takes place during this time. And that's the only one that's actually recorded. But in the book of Luke, it says while Jesus is praying, that he is praying so hard and has so much anxiety and so much stress built up in him that an actual rare medical condition takes place where the capillaries that are around his sweat glands actually break and he bleeds, he sweats blood. He is under so much pressure, so much stress, so much anxiety that he is praying to God, God, take this away from me. I do not want to do this, but I will because this is what you have called me to do. I don't want to go through this. I don't want to be beaten. I don't want to be tortured. I don't want to die. I don't want to be separated from you for three days. I don't want any of that. But I know that you do, and I'm here to do your will. And he's breaking down, and he's, he's just sweating blood drops. And he walks back to these three guys, these three guys that are closest to him, that are supposed to be keeping watch, that are supposed to be praying for him, they are supposed to be doing this, and what are they doing? They're asleep. How discouraging would that be? Whether you're God or not, if the friends that you ask to get your back fall asleep on you. It must have felt like he was just being abandoned. And looking at our past, and looking at our present, and looking even into the future, I'd be willing to bet there's somebody in here besides me that felt abandoned at some point in time. And like, God, what is going on? And maybe it was even by God. Maybe it was even that you felt that God had abandoned you and didn't know what was going on. And the pain might be very heavy. And maybe it's just one of those things, like I said, it, there's nothing really, really wrong, but there's nothing really right, and you just can't put your finger on what's going on here. And even though there's nothing there, there's a constant uneasiness. There's a heaviness of our soul. If I ended my message right now, I think all I've done is point out the obvious. If I said, all right, guys, let's pray, and praise God for the rest of the week, shall we? It's not something we're going to have that feeling. It's not one of those things that's just going to lift us up and get us going. The problem is, is that too many people, and my guess is probably even too many people in this room, but definitely too many people throughout our country, throughout our world, believe this is it. This is what God has for us. This is our life. This is what we're going to live out until the day we die. We're going to live with this constant uneasiness. We're going to live with this blah life. Our our marriage is never going to get any better. Our finances are never going to get any better. Our life is never going to get any better. Our church is never going to get any better. And and these are the thinking that we have in our minds, and we just play that in our heads. I want to tell you something, though. I want to tell you something very seriously. If that is your thinking, you're wrong. You're wrong. Because God, God himself, has told us so. I stopped when I was reading verse... uh, 5 of Psalm 42, what David said, I said, it said this, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? 
But look what the next part was that I left off. When David was asking those questions of himself, when he said, why do I have this sadness in my heart? He started preaching to his own soul. He started preaching to himself. He said, soul, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. I want to encourage you this morning to pray, to preach to your soul. It's probably going to do you better to preach to it than me to. Because I'm telling you, I've been doing it to myself all week long. And, and there's this, this heaviness that was lifted off of me as I was even doing this myself. Because if you were here last week, when I said there's only one plain place to find rest, and that was in God alone. That was in Jesus himself. And I'm going to give you another church answer this morning. The typical church answer. Once again, not squirrel, but God. God, Jesus, where do we put our hope? Where do we find hope at? Do we put our hope in the next president? I sure hope not. Because if you are, they're only going to let you down. Do you put your hope in your bank account? I sure hope not, because it's going to let you down. Do you put your hope in your spouse? I hope not, because they're probably going to let you down. In your kids, same thing. But if we put our hope in God, He will not let us down. He will not let us down. We find hope in God alone. And here's some things I want you to be preaching to yourself. Write these down for me, okay? If you have your, if you have your bulletins there, write these down for me. Because the very first thing I think we need to preach to ourselves is this. Is tell your soul to remember God's faithfulness in the past. Tell your soul to remember God's faithfulness in the past. When you're tempted to look back at the hurts of your past, train your mind to stop. And shift gears and look at what God has done to bring you through. Look at the front of your, uh, of the front of your bulletin there. There's a quote from Helen Keller. Basically summarized to say, things have happened to us all in our life. But you know what? People get through it. And that is the more amazing part of it all. That is the more amazing part of it all. We look back at the Lamentation 3. And he says this, he says, I remember my affliction, my wandering, and the bitterness, and the gall. I remember them, and my soul was heavy, and it's downcast within me. Well, I left off the ne next verse. It says, yet, this I call to mind. Yet, I, I shift gears here. I, I stop thinking about the pains. Yet, I call this to mind, and therefore I have what? Therefore I have what? Hope. We shift our minds from the pains. We shift our minds from the past. We shift our minds from the bad things that have happened to us. And we have hope. Because we're not looking and saying, we're not watching in the rearview mirror. We're thinking about the things and we're celebrating those things. You know, I told the kids this this morning as we're over in youth. What is the point and why we come to worship service? Why do we come in here? Why do we praise God? Why do we sing songs? Why do we do things like that? Well, if you really think about it, it's because it's our time to worship. Worship is us giving thanks to God. We don't have, just have to do that on Thanksgiving Day. We can give thanks to God every day and say, God, thank you so much for all the things you have done for me. If you were a Christian, think about this for me for just a second. You have been saved from hell. That in itself, if God didn't do another thing for you the rest of your life, that in itself is amazing. That in itself is enough for us to lift up our hands and say, praise God. You know, we get so caught up in, oh, I don't have this, and I don't have this. They had a thing on uh, static radio the other morning, and it was called uh, the, uh, the first, first World Complaints, Top Ten First World Complaints. And one of them was, 
I had to spend $70 to fill up my $50,000 SUV. I was telling the kids this morning, one of the most vivid memories I have on a mission trip I went to Brazil was five people, a whole family, riding on a motorcycle. One on the handlebars, one on the gas tank, dad, kid between mom and dad, mom in the back holding on. That was a motorcycle. And we're complaining about having an SUV, having to put gas in it. You know, we get so caught up in, in our afflictions. It says here, I remember my affliction, my wandering, and the bitterness and the gall. And I remember that my soul is heavy and is downcast within me. All these things are pulling me down. Yet, I call this to mind, and therefore, I have hope. Well, what does he call to mind? Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. We are not going to hell, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, God. How many times do we wake up in the morning after having a bad day on Saturday and on Sunday morning we wake up and we say, God, oh, your mercies are new this morning. I'm so excited to be awake and alive. And we do a little twist and a spin and we're just, we don't do that, do we? No, we forget about God's faithfulness. But that is why we are here. That is why we get up and we read our Bible. That is why he wants us to be still and know that he is God because he wants us to understand his love for us. He wants us to understand that, yeah, he's got it all under control. Your past has made you who you kind of are. It's kind of shaped you, but it isn't who you are. You are God's child, and he wants you to remember that. You know, there's days that I want to say, man, the world around me is like a vacuum, and it just sucks the life right out of you. And there's people that are going to let me down today, just like they did yesterday. And guess what? There's going to be people that let me down tomorrow. But I know God won't. That God is faithful. That God has a, a fresh new day for me every day. And He hasn't failed me yet. And we can look back and, you know, in the moment, we may forget that, that God doesn't fail us. We may think that He has. And then we look back days, months, even years later, and we can say, oh, now I actually see what God was doing and how he was doing it and how he brought me to this point. But sometimes we have to get away from the actual situation to understand that God hasn't let us down. God has not failed us. He is guiding and directing us just like he said he would do. All these negative things come to mind, yet if we can call on God and we can realize the hope that we have in him, it changes everything. Remember the memory when Christ called you and you're delivered from the weight and the burden of your sins. Remember the feeling when you realize he no longer holds sins against you. Remember the time that you prayed for something and there was no human way possible that it could ever happen, but God made a miracle happen in your life. Do you remember that? Because when life is in the crapper, I don't know if I'm allowed to use that word on a Sunday morning or not, but when life is in the pooper, how's that? Um, do we remember that God is God? Do we remember that time? Man, I can think back to so many times that God has brought me through that only God could answer that prayer. The only way it was ever going to happen was through God. You know, I even got to thinking about it with the church this week. That we're, we're moving forward, and it's great and it's exciting, but it's also scary. There's a scariness inside of us. We, we have new offices that we're going to have uh, Bible studies at, and we're going to have youth meetings at, and all the different things, and it, it's, it's a great thing. But you know what? It's a cost we've never had before. And we've never had to pay for something where we had a lease and we have now three years of making a payment. And that scares me a little bit. And I think to myself, holy moly, what, what if people stop coming to church and then they stop you know, giving towards those kind of things? And, oh, man, and then burdens. 
weights, all this. And I'll say, I go, wait a second. When we first started this church, we had a guy come in from a place called Church on Wheels. That's where we got our trailer from. When he came in with, with the Church on Wheels whole box package, which means everything in your church is going to be shoved into this trailer, and then you guys are going to be able to set up in a school. Here's the, what it's going to cost. He laid down an $88,000 bill in front of me. We had eight people at this point in time. And I went, okay, that's only, uh, yeah, mathematically figuring out that's $11,000 per person. That, that'll be fine. We can make that happen. Because um, I didn't want to go into debt. I didn't want to make debt happen to, to start the church up. That wasn't what I was, uh, wanted to do at all. So I went to him and I said, okay, well, is there anything we can cut? He said, yeah, absolutely, we can do this. And we went through and we, we scaled some things back and did this and did that and ended up at $55,000. I, I just don't know how we're going to do this, God. I, I really don't. And I literally got down on my knees before him and I said, God, you know we don't want to be in debt going into this. We don't want to have payments. We don't want to have that. The only payment we want to have is, is, is for the school and, that, and, and renting the school and that's it. Got down on our knees before him and uh, uh, the week before, the week before the trailer was to be delivered to us. We had to make our last payment. We paid it off because of donations, because of churches coming through, because the Baptist Convention helped us out, because of every little thing. All this worry that I had up inside of me, and God's like, dude, I got it, bro. Don't worry about it. And every time we start looking at, oh, whoa, but you don't understand. that God's like, I do. I'm not restricted by time. I know what's going to happen. Just Follow me on this one. Follow me on this one. Believe who I am. Remember that time. Remember that time you were reading your Bible and you came across a verse that just jumped all over you and just spoke to you and you're like, how in the world? I've read this verse a thousand times. How in the world does it speak to me this way now? That's God. Remember when God used a radio, used a song, used a CD, to speak to you, and you're like, well, I've heard this song so many times. Why is this? Remember God. When we're down and we're out and we're thinking about our past and the things that, that have hurt us, we have to remember what God has done to bring us through and his faithfulness. The second thing I want you to do as you preach to yourself, I want you to cry out to God in the present. Cry out to God in the present. Not only show hope for God and remember his faithfulness in the past, but to cry out to God in the present. You know what? I was reading Psalm 142 this week, and I, I was just going to share a little snippet of it, but I said, you know, it's seven, seven verses long, and I'd love for you to read along with me, because it, it, is, it is David being real. David, this guy that we all see as a hero of the Bible, the one that, that slayed Goliath, the one that was an amazing king, the one that the lineage of Jesus, uh, it, it, you know, is part of the lineage of Jesus. Look what he says in Psalm 142. I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him I tell my trouble. Guess what? You can go to God and you can complain and you can tell him all the things you've got going wrong. It's okay. He knows. He knows your heart already anyway. He says, when my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way. In the path where I walk, people have hidden a snare for me. People are trying to trap me. Look and see, there is no one at my right hand. I am all alone. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge, and no one cares for my life. Ever felt like that before? I cry to you, Lord, and I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Rescue me 
from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Set me free from my prison, that I may praise your name. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. I would encourage you today that if you are struggling with something, read through those words. God doesn't need to have some fancy prayer that's all written out. Read through those words and make that your prayer. Because I would be willing to bet there's a time in your life that you feel downcast and you feel alone, that nobody cares about you, that nobody wants to be close to you, and God is right there. And call out to Him to be a part of this. Have Him set you free from your prison. Be honest with God. Because guess what? God can handle your honesty. He can. You don't have to come to Him with like fancy these and thous and our heavenliest Father of thee, thou. You, you, don't, you don't have, just get down and say, God, what are you doing? Do you understand what you're doing to me? And he's going to say, yes, I do, as a matter of fact. Just get real honest with him and sit and talk with him. Put your hope in God. Understand his faithfulness through the past. Call out to him in the present. And guess what? The final thing is, is trust God with your future because he's already there. Trust God's power for the future. He's the Alpha, He's the Omega, He's the beginning and the end, He's the first and the last. And you know what that means? He's already in tomorrow. So the things that you're worried about, He's already got taken care of. He already knows the answers to. There's a powerful ver- uh, set of verses in 2 Chronicles 32, verses 7 and 8. And this is King Hezekiah, tell, uh, who's the king of Judah, he's telling his people this, because there's a battle ready to take place. He says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria and the vast army with him. They're looking out and they're seeing they're getting ready to get themselves a a good beating. They're going to lose this fight. The the, the numbers just say we are going to lose. This is what's going to happen. And he says this. He says these very words that I want you to repeat with me today. As, As they're staring out there and he says, that may be a vast army out there, but there is a what? Greater power. There is a greater power that is with us than it is with them. With him there is only the arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and fight our battles. You ever look ahead and say, oh man, the future is looking bleak. It's not looking good. Let me remind you of something. That same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives right here in you if you're a Christian. It is a power that wants to be tapped into. It is a power that wants to be used. And we just say, eh, I'd rather just try and focus on the future ahead and just be really worried about it and anxious about it and forget God that, that, yeah, you've got it all in your hands and that, oh yeah, we have this power inside of us that we can tap into, but we fail to. I want to challenge you today that if you have these heavy hurts of the past, if your present is holding you down and you look ahead and you have this anxiety for the future to remember God's faithfulness, to understand there is hope that is found in Him, to cry out to Him and ask Him to just let it out, bury your souls. He already knows Him anyway. He doesn't need you to try and be prim and proper and private with Him. Get down on your knees. Get down on your face. Reflect on what He has done. Cry out to Him. And then remember, He is the power of the future. And that you don't have to do this alone. 
whether you are or you aren't. Maybe you say, well, I got this person that's right here alongside of me. You know what? David had lots of people that are right alongside of him, but yet in Psalm 142 there, he says, no one's at my right hand. There is no one that is here with me. Maybe you're feeling that. Cry out to God and understand that He is there. Last week we did something that, um, that I enjoyed. It was a time of reflection, a time of being just quiet and still before God. And if you weren't here, I'm sorry that you missed that, but I'm going to give you the opportunity again to do it today. As a matter of fact, I think during this soul detox, because really that's what needs to happen to cleanse this garbage that is in our soul, that is holding us down, the, the restlessness, all the, the worried priorities, all the anxiety, all the past hurts, all this stuff. It just needs to be still and reflect on what God is doing. And I've, I've asked, um, I've asked uh, Christy, my wife, to, to sing a song this morning. And we don't normally do a special music so much so. Uh, but the, the band's going to come forward. And I want you to focus on these words. If you want to sing them, great. If you don't, hear what the words have to say. Because man, we were listening to a song this week, and I just said, wow, this is exactly what I'm struggling with. Not even exactly what the message is about, yet it is. It was exactly what I needed to hear. And it kind of brought my focus back around to where it needed to be. So I, I, I'm going to challenge you as I close and pray, and, and the band comes up here, that you can focus on what God has to say to you this morning. Just sit quietly, and like I said, if you want to sing it, do it. But if you don't, listen and make this your prayer. And as the, the next few songs as we sing are really going to be a, re, a reflection time. Of, of what God is doing in you and what God is doing through you and, and that God would open your eyes. So let's pray together. Father, we're, we're thankful for who you are. and We're thankful for your faithfulness. God, we're so thankful that you even love us when we turn our backs on you. We're so thankful that your grace pours out on us when we are angry with you because of what we are going through or what we have gone through. But God, you are patient. And I think this morning, Lord, that as we take time to reflect, that we can see your goodness, even through all the junk of our past, no matter how big, no matter how deep, no matter how terrible it is, God, you have been with us walking through that and, and using, us, using it to make us who you want us to be. And God, right now in this present time when we are hurting and we're saying, God, where are you? That we can just be honest with you, even right here, right now this morning, to be able to cry out to you, cry out from the depths of our soul. To be able to say, God, here it is. It's your mess to deal with now. And then even as we look to the future, the anxiety that is there, the things that we have no idea, we have no control over all the things we worry about that may not even ever happen. God, help us to give those to you as well this morning. I pray it in your name. Amen.